Hey there, Float Magic fans. Welcome back. Uh, we're here with Carla Davis and Jackie Briggs with Courageous Survival. We know we heard from them in our earlier podcast, but we wanted to give them an opportunity to really do a deep dive into what Courageous Survival is, uh, what they, how they support, um, and all the ways that they show up. So talking about their programs and, and all kinds of good stuff. So Jackie and Carla, welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We appreciate the invitation and being able to come down and and utilize the services and and just to get to experience it and get to work with you more. Awesome. Yep. We've worked really closely with Courageous Survival on a lot of different <laughs> levels, and and yep. it's been it's been an absolute joy to understand um, the hope that they lend to to our first responders and our veterans, and which is near and dear to my heart. So yeah, it's for sure. it's it's been a great organization to be involved with. So really appreciate what you guys do. But yeah, we'll let, we'll let you dive in to tell us what all, right. all is involved with Courageous Survival. Well, thank you. So Courageous Survival is an Idaho-based nonprofit, um, 501c3 organization. We have peer support members across the state of Idaho. We've got some into Oregon, um, other states as well, but the majority are here in Idaho. They're made up of active duty first responders like Carla. Um, well, actually, volunteer. She's a volunteer first responder, but active first responders, retired first responders, military veterans, as well as their significant others or family members. Um, and then we also have a group of mental health advisors that help us with different calls, do trainings. We've got first responder chaplains as well. And the first responder chaplains are a little bit different than, for example, like a religious leader or a pastor or a bishop or something like that. They are really good at learning how to and teaching other people how to show up, shut up and listen. Um, not necessarily lead with religion, but being there for those people who are of faith if they need that, but being able to just learn to show up for them and to be present with them during that time of hard time. We have the peer support teams. We take phone calls. We meet in person. We do trainings. We do critical incident debriefs, which we talked about a little bit, um, where we go in after a critical incident, like a bad car accident or a fire or, you know, whatever it is, we'll go in with a first responder agency and with everybody that was on scene or dispatchers as well. Oftentimes they get for gotten mm -hmm. um, coroners um, because they weren't necessarily on scene, but they're impacted just as greatly. And so making sure all those people are included and getting them into a debrief, which is not a tactical debrief. It's not like an overview of the situation and what could you have done differently or better or whatever tactically, but mental health wise. And so it's called critical incident stress management debriefs. They um, come from the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. Um, we've been trained to do that. And so we go in 24 to 48 hours, typically after a critical incident, and we do a debrief and talk to them about symptoms that they could be experiencing psychological, um, physical, cognitive, behavioral, you know, spiritually, all different types of symptoms that people don't necessarily recognize as a post-traumatic stress response after trauma and then getting them connected with resources right away to help with that um, because... You know, the more that people experience trauma, whether it's one time or multiple times, it can impact them and the body keeps the score. Um, and that could be cumulative or just even from one incident. And so sure. the importance of getting people connected with those resources right away is absolutely crucial. Um, we do trainings as well. We do those for free. Um, pretty much everything that we do is for free. 
Um, we are a nonprofit, so people can donate to help support that. But um, we have responded everywhere from Region 5. We've been over here. Today is the 12th time that we've been over here in the last two and a half months. Wow. Um, from Hagerman, Gooding, Jerome, you know, Sun Valley, Twin Falls, um, Fairfield, um, this whole region, clear down to Duck Valley Indian Reservation, all the way up to Coeur d'Alene. Um, and Sandpoint, um, we've responded up there and have peer support members across the state um, and stuff. So I'm really grateful. And then we also have a resource guide um, that has resources that are updated every six months. Um, this is online uh, with hyperlinks, everything from crisis resources, vetted counselors, which is really important to have culturally competent therapists. Well, and trauma specific, mm-hmm. like especially law enforcement and veteran yeah. trauma. That It's a little different than... It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And trauma is trauma and mm-hmm. trauma can affect anyone. However, sure. the volume and the cumulative effect of trauma that these guys experience, most civilians, you know, the therapists that are for civilians would shudder and break down and need their own therapist two minutes into a session because they need their own dang counselor. <laughs> um, so they're just not prepared for that level of trauma. Right. So it's so crucial having resources that are vetted and know even for the spouses and significant others because I had a I had a spouse that was told after one or two sessions with the counselor oh well um, you just need to divorce him he's a jerk you know and mm-hmm. it's like um she did not understand how PTS looks like and it doesn't mean that there's an excuse for somebody to make bad choices you know or to be in a bad you know relationship however a lot of the symptoms like my grandpa was a World War II veteran he came home um, and they nicknamed him Mean Gene and that was because his post-traumatic stress you know was never diagnosed was never taken care of he never got the resources for it you know he did you know later in life get some help and you know found the lord and that was a part of his story but you know it affected him and they called him mean gene he brought the war home with him exactly um and so being able to have those resources you know available and then having peer support like carla um she's a a firefighter in the area and um, being able to have people like that because I you know can research the resources and I actually have provided peer support for spouses for other first for first responders as well but I'm not a first responder I'm not a veteran I'm married to a first responder who's a veteran but we've lived our own journey of we have two daughters that are suicide attempt survivors or excuse me, who have survived suicide attempts. And so we've lived Idaho being ranked 50th for mental health and wellness. Um, So I have that understanding, but it's still different for them to connect with a peer. Um, You know, even yesterday when we met with, you know, a fellow, another firefighter who's a female from a rural area Mm -hmm. uh, from a different part of Idaho, it was beautiful to see the connection that they have, you know, or when they're coming into a place like Float Magic and we've got a salty, crusty Marine who's a retired (laughs) cop saying, hey, this isn't just some hippy dippy mumbo jumbo stuff. This actually works with sleep, with depression, with PTSD, Mm -hmm. all that. So, um, Carla, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of peer support and what you do as a peer? Yeah, absolutely. It was really uh, impactful for me, too, to have a another there. I have been really fortunate. I'm on a department that uh, when I joined, I was one of three women in a department of only 12 people. That is not consistent with national statistics. Mm-hmm. I can tell you it's closer to 8% women in the fire service. So uh, any training I go to, I'm very often the only woman in my class. And it's, uh, you know, you just you get comfortable in 
male groups, but it is different. And so uh, being able to it connects, being a part of the peer support team has connected me with other first responders around the state in a way that's been really cool and special for me, uh, especially as a pretty recent firefighter. I've only been on for about two years. Um, and that's pretty unusual, really. A lot of people, because uh, I'm in my 30s, a lot of people who are in their 30s who are first responders have been doing it for 10 years and they, you know, they're halfway through their career and I just started mine. So uh, it's been really powerful for me, uh, for preventative mental health for me to have that connection and that peer support group. It's it's definitely as beneficial for me. And then being able to provide peer support, um, even though I haven't had the experience of a lot of my peers, uh, as I just alluded to, they've been in it longer. They've seen more that sort of thing. Uh, I, um, I had my own struggles with mental health uh, when I was in my early 20s. I, I had an experience of being suicidal, and so I, I have that in common when I'm providing peer support. I can, I can speak to that and relate to that. And then having worked in the mental health field sort of tangentially for the last 10 years with a nonprofit, um, it was, it's been, it's been a really uh, gratifying way for me to be able to use that training in a community that needs it so desperately. Mm-hmm. Um, the, just as it is on the national level with suicide rates, just in general being on the rise, uh, it's, it's really on the rise in first responder communities. And uh, it's, it's dramatically higher than the general population. So, uh, yeah, it's just been really impactful for me to be able to be a part of it. And I'm so blown away uh, by Jackie's commitment whenever we have a first responder in crisis. She just drops. I mean, it, it is a team and Jackie will be mad at me for focusing so much on her commitment <laughs> because it is a team and she does she does uh, count on all of us to, to help out and to, to be there for each other, uh, which is great and wonderful and beautiful. But she really does go above and beyond to get people the resources that they need when they need them, like right away within, we had a a first responder in crisis in our area and within, within 24 hours for sure that she had them. I mean, earlier than that, within an hour of finding out that this person had uh, attempted, they were in a safe place. And within 24 hours, there was a plan for how they were going to transition into an inpatient and, you know, within a week, there was a plan for how it was going to look after inpatient and what resources were going to be available for them. I mean, just that quickly. And that's what needs to happen. It's an acute situation. You know, it's it requires immediate intervention and it requires somebody willing to commit to that. And uh, Jackie is wonderful and has done a wonderful job of, of finding people who are just as dedicated. Uh, so yeah. I'm just really thankful to be a part of it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I... um. I have to echo that. Like watching you in action, Jackie is. <laughs> I mean, you are a whirlwind of good. Uh, you <laughs> That's you a great way <laughs> <laughs> you see something that has to happen, and you wrap up your passion and your knowledge, and you make sure that they get the resources they need. And that, thank thank heavens that Idaho has you. Well, thank you, ladies. I this definitely makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, because I just feel like, you know what, I'm grateful that I just get to be an empty vessel. Um, you know, faith is a part of my journey not everybody's, but faith is a part of my journey. And so I just feel like I get to be a vessel, um, of God's light 
and a light in the darkness to those people who are struggling. I've been there, you know, I've been in those dark places too. As a parent, having two daughters that survived suicide attempts, um, I was in a dark place and I went down that road like Carla, you know, and experienced that, you know, that ideation of like, maybe, you know, maybe I don't deserve to be here, you know, and in such a dark pit, I got the resources that I needed, but my personality, you know, for myself as well as for my family is, you know, to be a fighter, to fight for those resources, not just to accept, you know, I was always raised to, you know, feel like, you know, to tell my girls, like, don't accept, you know, just anything like mm-hmm. fight for the best advocate um, for, whatever yeah. got the best that God has for you you deserve mm-hmm. that and you're worth it and so I did that you know when my girls went through what they went through and survived I fought for those resources not just for us to survive but for us to get our lives back and to thrive and you know I can't speak to what it would be like um, because I have so many friends that have lost loved ones um, to suicide and I can't imagine the pain and Carla's lost a cousin to suicide just in the last year. And I can't imagine that kind of pain. I don't know why I can't explain why my daughter survived and those others didn't, but our goal is to try to make sure that everybody gets those resources and has that opportunity and that chance, especially with Idaho being ranked 50th. I don't really think that that's true. Um, now that I've been doing, uh, you know, a lot of work and collaborating here across Idaho, there's so many incredible resources and people out there. It's just people don't know about them. It, it's the access and it's the mm-hmm. awareness of what's available. And, exactly. And having the the tangible resources, like we we know that there is a problem. Um, we we do have one of the highest suicide rates among our youth. Uh, in the country, we're we're very aware of um, there's there's a suicide belt in the Rocky Mountain region. That is not new. I remember learning about that decades ago in my schooling, and it's those those things of being aware. Um, that's people are a lot more aware of what the problems are these days, and and just making those resources come to light is yeah. what I think is going to be a lot more impactful. Yeah. And in moving change for this. So for sure. And especially with COVID, you know, the last three years have been pretty rough Yep, um, for not just first responders, but for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and people that were nowhere near the edge are near that edge. Right. People that were near the edge before COVID have gone over that edge of really struggling. And so, you know, but our first responders, they've been on the front line. Oh, it's a big wave. Like it's, it's like, yes, there's this impact and it's growing. And our first responders get impacted with that wave every single time. Every call that's made, that's a mental health call. You talk to our police force, you talk to our paramedics and their response to mental health calls Mm -hmm. have tripled. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's it's a mounting, very, um, ever present issue that, that we're forced to face right now. Yeah. It's a huge tidal wave that's been building and building and building. And I, I still don't think that we've seen the full effect of post COVID. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of burnout. There's a lot of shorthanded departments, you know, from the law enforcement to paramedics to even hospital, hospital staff. staff. Yeah. yeah, there's a huge... Fire departments. Yeah, yes, fire departments. Fire departments. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, and so trying, but then getting them to that point, oftentimes we get involved, 
Um, we're trying to get ahead of it as much as we can, which is why we do trainings for free, which is why we come in and do outreach, you know, and our peer support comes in and we interact with resources like here, you know, we come in and we interact, we take advantage of those resources so we can learn about it, vet it. Last month we went, there was 15 of us from our peer support team and our mental health advisors that went down to Utah and met with several different facilities. Deer Hollow Recovery and Wellness is one of the best in the nation for first responders and trauma. They just got approved for the VA yeah, steps recovery. That That's right. You were, um, steps <laughs> recovery. Home from yeah. One, trip. Yes. one of the best for veterans. And, you know, we got to go down there and yeah. we got to support a nonprofit brothers in healing that helps raise money so cool. for first responders to get help that they need, but then also got to meet with the clinical staffs of the different departments, you know, and the facilities and learn about their program right. and have our peer support team know about those resources and know them personally. It helps because having this resource guide is so crucial. You know, one of my police officers, he's like, man, if I would have known about one of these resources at the time when I was struggling, it would have been helpful. But the fact that we have all of these resources, but then like, where do you start? And so that's why these guys are so key in knowing the resources, but then also being the peer that they can help people navigate yeah, those resources. help guide them through the process. Well, yeah. And while we're on it, actually, I think we should maybe talk a little bit about the resource guide. Uh, just kind of explain mm-hmm. when you, you're referencing it, but I just want to make sure that people yep. understand when you go and you look at it online, or if you're at one of our events and you pick one up, we have, they come out quarterly, right? Uh, every six months because it's been pretty busy. So we've gone from quarterly to six months. Fair enough. You've had a few (laughs) irons in the fire. Um, So yeah, they come out twice a year to be updated pretty frequently uh, and they're, and they're online and it, it's organized by region um, and table of contents mm -hmm. and then the regions of Idaho. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it just explains all of the different resources in each region. And that is so huge. I mean, it's like Jackie said, a, a lot of times people in crisis have no idea what's yep. even available to them. And if they just knew of one thing, it would be enough. That would be that that life raft for them. So um, I yeah. just wanted to make sure we touch on no, that. No, no, yeah. I appreciate that. And so there's also, uh, while you're talking about that, and I know we're getting close to time, um, is one of the things that our team learned about was the Compact Act in January. This went into place of this year and now the federal government has put forth this compact act and it's for crisis um, veterans in crisis. And now veterans can go into any facility. It does not have to be VA approved anymore. And they can get crisis care for 30 to 90 days inpatient. Wow. Um, they can also get transportation reimbursed um, and stuff like that. So we're working with, um, and there's information on our website about this. This was a 44 page brief that came out, but our, our veteran team and our police officers on our team helped dumb this down so that it, they could use it Condensed on the ground. It to the one, um, exactly. Yeah, and then still, there's two pages yeah. on our website about, you know, what phone numbers to call and what the next steps are and that kind of stuff. But we're working with like the crisis center here in Twin Falls, the clinical right. director, um, Lisa Bays, who took over, she specialized in first responders and veterans before she came here March yeah. 1st. She helped us with two first responders in crisis um, earlier this year. And it's been phenomenal. We worked with North Canyon. We've worked with multiple different you know, organizations and we're building relationships with hospitals and designating examiners and law enforcement and make sure that they know about these benefits because this is completely game changing. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, so. and yes, it's been... 
It's been great to understand all, I mean, and you've had the mental health symposium and you're Mm -hmm. constantly trying to funnel information out to the communities, which is so admirable and appreciated. Um, That's why collaborating with you has been such a, I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) it's been such a learning experience and, and such a joy because it's just so nice to know that these resources exist across the state for people. So absolutely. And thanks for mentioning the mental health symposium. That's an annual event that we do and nine 11 and we tribute. And we actually pulled in float magic in this year because we had a first responder and a veteran, um, take a team, uh, from save a warrior alumni and go back to, from Idaho to Ohio Mm -hmm. on a motorcycle ride. And that was built in as a part of the symposium and, and everything. And we were actually able to all those combined efforts raised like $68,000 so that Idaho's first responders and veterans will always have a seat at the program Save a Warrior. That's amazing. Um, and stuff. That's pretty incredible. And yes. so thanks for hosting that meet and greet. Oh, that was, was great. a lot of fun. It was so great to watch all the motorcycles pull into my parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, you know, all these these rough, burly men getting off and getting massages in my massage <laughs> chair. <and laughs> it was perfect. That was pretty yeah, cool. It was a fun, t- it, was, it was great. And we even, um, we haven't had some entertainment, uh, mm-hmm. Lane Brown over from, uh, Pocatello was in town and played for him. It was, yeah, that was a great time. So yeah. appreciate all that you do. Um, and really appreciate that you were willing to come and sit a couple of podcasts with us, both of you, Carla and Jackie. Thank Absolutely. You. It's my pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having yeah. us. And we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, you can follow our <laughs> podcast anywhere where you find your favorite podcasts. Um, and these come out about every two weeks. So be sure to tune in in the future and remember it's perfectly okay to stay salty. 